Okay, welcome everybody back. To, you take a sip if you want to the deposit that podcast. Go ahead, take, take a oh, sip. This okay. is all do. It's all raw. <laughs> it's real. I'm super excited about today. This is going to be a two phase podcast. We're going to cover the entire episode today in one show, but we're going to go business first and then personal. So what we usually do is we usually play a song as like a hype song, an intro song. I so love this it. <laughs> this is the first song I thought of, right? Okay. For your business, and then you Ooh. can tell everyone what it's about. I don't know if you know the song. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know the song? I do know that song very well. All right. So, Lizeth, welcome to the show. We're going to hop right into it. Thank you for You have a restaurant. Me. What brings all the boys to the yard? <laughs> so, I've been in the restaurant industry seven years. Okay. Uh, my family's been in the restaurant industry 20 years. Okay. What has brought the boys to the yard for so long, the boys and the gals, uh-huh. is our staple homemade green sauce. Green sauce. Yes, green sauce. It is the guys a, and the gals come running. The guys and the gals. We, oh we my want gosh. them all. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, dogs, Everybody. Everybody. Whatever. Whatever Children, everyone. Children, everyone. Bring, bring, them. bring, bring them. them all. Yes. So it's my mom's recipe. Okay. So it's a secret recipe. Secret sauce. <laughs> it's a secret sauce. Yes. Many people have tried to ask me for the recipe, but it's a secret sauce. It's really in Peru. If you visit Peru, mostly any restaurant that has what they call a polleria, which means that they sell rotisserie chicken, okay. everyone in a kind of has their own green sauce. Okay. But, you know, it varies from location to location. And I like to think mine is among the best. And that's why it's kept us in business for so long. So mom's had the same sauce for 20 years, yes. 20 plus years? Yes, for 20 plus Never years. Never changed the ingredients. Never nothing. changed the ingredients. So it's our homemade green sauce, our homemade salad dressing, and our homemade dressing for our rotisserie chicken. Those are all unique wow. and original to El Gordo. So before we get into where your restaurant is, what you specialize in, I want to first thank Louis Vaca for introducing yes. us. Louis, thank you so much. And it's funny because I told you, I don't do residential mortgages anymore. I strictly investment, finance, strategy, advisory, help people scale their businesses, get lines of credits for the business, You know, open up their business inside of a real estate location. And when we met, we sat down, we hit it off right away, and we just clicked. It was like, you get me, I get you. Here's your goal. Here's your strategy. Let's take it to the next level. So how has that first time we met evolved to today, in your opinion? How do you see that relationship that we've built? Well, I think, you know, yes, uh, you know, Louis actually is a customer of mine. I know him, you know, he's been coming to the Jersey City location pretty much since I opened. And in my business, you know, energy is very key for me. And even with someone like him, you know, we've exchanged ideas, we've exchanged advice. I think one of the key things that I really value in people is some people just have this natural energy to want to give you advice and see you win. Mm -hmm. So he had come to the restaurant and, you know, I was telling him about some plans that I had with my mortgage, with my existing homes. And he said, you know what? I know someone that can really (laughs) guide you in the right direction. You know, he's great. He has, you know, he told me a little bit about you. From the moment that you walked in, it's, you know, I just felt like the energy was very genuine, uh, very humble and you know, you gave me a lot of great advice. And I think since then, it's just, it's it's taken off. Interesting. And the food was great. I mean, and the food yeah. was, yeah. So, you, yeah, ceviche <laughs> is your, your, one of your favorite Oh my Peruvian God, my dishes. favorite. Love it. Yeah, right. absolutely. So, you know, we started over a 
a ceviche and a Peruvian beer, Cusqueña. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talked about business. We talked about the things that we've learned in business, the skills that we value as, as entrepreneurs. Sure. And, you know, I think when conversation like that is just, it's general, it's flowing, you know, I, I gravitate a lot towards that. So, so most women, men probably do this, don't tell me, when they come on the podcast, they're nervous. They're like, I'm sweating. It's hot. I'm like, stop sweating. Stop being yes, nervous. Just like, be yeah, yourself. Nervous. Pretend like there's no microphone, no camera recording. So tell everyone about your journey from your first real world career, right? Into running a restaurant now for, like you said, seven years. Prior to to the restaurant, I, I worked in corporate America. I graduated from William Patterson University in 2005, and I had a company recruit me, a company called Blinds to Go. I'm sure a lot of people sure. are familiar with it. They had this management training program, and my hiring manager, who is still one of my mentors and someone that I look up to a lot, his name is Frank Castell. He better listen to this. Yes. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to tell him. Yes. <laughs> he recruited me. And at first, my first initial thing was, oh, you know, I graduated college. You know, you graduate with this idea that you think you're going to already go have that corporate office. You know, I have my bachelor's degree. What do you mean you want me to sell blinds yeah, 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 right. <laughs> and work retail? Sure. You know, I was ungrounded back then. And honestly, joining a solid management training programs was one of the best things that I did uh, later on. As I grew in the company and became a recruiter, when I presented it to, you know, soon to be college grads, it really, for me, was the skills that I learned. So I started off as a sales consultant in the showrooms, uh, worked my way into development manager, training manager. At one point, I was running like the top showroom in the Northeast that grows the most sales. My you know, I, I was known to every store that I went to, sales would increase. Bring the life. You bring, <laughs> yeah, it. You bring, bring the green sauce, yes, yeah, the would, secret sauce. Yes, I would bring all of that. So I then evolved into a recruiter, worked in that company for six and a half years. Towards the end, you know, like in, in, in most careers, you start evaluating, okay, where is this really going? And am I happy with what I'm doing? Am I learning the most that I can? What eventually is my goal? I grew up in the restaurant industry. You know, my mom opened... El Gordo and Pasek in 1996 when I was just 14 years, years old. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. So back then, when she first opened, you know, I just saw the restaurant as the place where you know, if I broke curfew, God, now I have to go work and wash dishes, <laughs> you know, yeah. because you know, I didn't see so much the potential of it as I was working corporate, as I was working. Blinds to Go was a company itself that started off. The owner started off selling blinds off the back of his truck, mm-hmm. you know, and he grew into this successful retail business. So I love that entrepreneurial aspect of it. I've always had that in me because of my mom. And I said, you know what? I always said to my mom, the day that I would join the restaurant industry would be the day that I can grow it from a local mom and pop shop to an actual, you know, Peruvian restaurant chain that when people think of Peruvian food, they think of El Corto. Wow. And I thought that so it was... So you knew that deep down Oh, I knew then. that deep down. And I knew that for me to be able to do that as well, I had to equip myself with solid skills that were going to help me do that. And I knew that joining the restaurant right after college wouldn't really help long-term do what my vision for it you was. You would miss that gap of training I would miss experience. that gap of training yeah. and experience and, you know, learning actual tangible skills. So I worked in Blinds to Go for about six and a half years, about a... Five years into it, I said, okay, you know what? Like, I'm ready. I've learned a lot. Um, You know, I'm growing my savings. You know, it's going to be time. I started looking actually at commercial spaces and I'm very big on power of affirmation and setting actual dates. And I'll never forget at that time I was living in the Upper East Side in New York. 
my job had put me in a corporate apartment. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I said to myself, you know, come September of 2012, I'm going to be in my restaurant. I'm going to have my own restaurant. That's how it happened. Wow. That quick. <laughs> well, so I, you know, I, I created a plan. I've always believed that if you have a goal, I like I personally like to work backwards. Mm -hmm. So what is my goal? Okay, what do I have to do? Break it down step by step. So you actually do that on paper? I do that even now. Yes, I do that on paper. Did you learn that? um, I learned that that from from my former mentor. Yes, I did. Because I find that that allows you to break it down and it doesn't become, okay, I want to open a restaurant. You know, it gives you more guidance. It allows you to have it step by step. It allows you to say, okay, if I want to open up a restaurant, what are the things that I need to do to do that? Let me work back. So I did the plan, I did my steps, and life has a, a silly way of sometimes getting you to your end goal. And The universe um, makes things happen when it wants, when you're ready, that you usually don't know you're ready for it. Exactly, right. So, you know, I, in two, February of 2012, I was arrested by ICE. So we're going to bring yes. <laughs> a new song. This is part two, oh, God, song okay. number two. <laughs> I, love, I love these songs. So I believe music and songs are the best way people can relate. So this is actually my new favorite song now. It's super, super awesome. I promise. Say, Mike, sometimes it's painful to relive the past. But sometimes you got to relive the past in order to hear from it. I just don't reach the So Kevin Gates is a new fan favorite of mine. Okay. And he says, in order to basically get over the pain, you have to relive the past, right? Yes. Oh, that's so now, powerful. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. I get chills. My hair oh, stands up. Say my that arms again. Everywhere. In so, order? So sometimes you have to relive the past in order to heal from the pain from it, right? So now I know this story. So now we're going to tell everyone else your story. So we're back to early 2012. What do you got? Yeah. So we're back to early 2012. Throughout me building my corporate career, upon me entering college back in 2000. 2000. Oh God, that's how I can. 2000. You know, my parents for like most, you know, immigrant families that come here, you know, my parents came into the United States in the late 80s. I came along with when I was just six years old. You grew up here. I went to school here. I built my life here. Upon being accepted to William Patterson University, I discovered that me and my dad had an order of deportation. Obviously leaving was not something that crossed our minds. You know, I had just gotten accepted to college. I also knew that with that, I would have to pay for school. You know, I didn't qualify, obviously, for financial aid, for loans. So my my whole college tuition came out of my parents working really hard to give me that education and me working several jobs to make sure that it happened. And so for many years, you're talking now from 2000 all the way to 2012, you're dealing with the whole immigration process. And that itself is a whole nother conversation, but you're dealing with it's lawyers. Very drawn out. Yes, you're dealing with lawyers. You're dealing with, you know, what are the different legal options that I have to be able to, to go turn my case to, and be here legally? Because I was over 18, you know, it just took longer. So throughout this whole time, you know, I'll never forget my, my dad said to me when he broke that news to me, he said, you know, we're not going to let this change your course. You're not going to let this determine whether you're going to be successful or or not. And I, you know, when I think of a lot of the traits and values that I have, I'm very blessed to have had parents that never really allowed fear to be part of. Yeah, very supportive and never really allowed fear to kick in. You know, they always said you are going to be successful if you work hard and you sacrifice, you're going to be able to do it. Power of positivity. Yeah. So I 
you know, that's how I, I took many risks, built a corporate career, you know, and in my mind, you know, I was, even though I was this dreamer, I was, you know, illegally here. It's funny, right? Because on the outside, I was the American dream. You know, I was this minority young woman working in corporate America, doing, you know, financially very well. Living on the Upper East Side. <laughs> Living on the yeah. Upper East Side, yeah. you know, spoke perfect English, you know, was planning to to launch my business. And then one morning in February of 2012, I got February pulled. February 27th, if I remember the date. Yes, February 27th. Oh, you're good. I read, I read. <laughs> you, yeah, you read it, but you remember <laughs> the date. February 27th of 2012, I was driving to work. At that time, I worked in Hartsdale. I, we had just, I had just opened that showroom. I was running the whole New York district and I get pulled over. I thought I was getting pulled over for being on the phone. Or speeding. You know, they come to the car, they ask me for my license, registration. As I give that to them, I see all these different cop, undercover cop cars pull up. And in my head, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was something bad happened to my family, like something bad happened and they're coming here to give me bad news. Because it just didn't make sense. All these, you know, cop Did cars. everything slow down? Oh, yeah. Everything. In that moment, I will. I remember looking at my rearview mirror and just seeing like three undercover cop cars pull up. And I said, okay, this is no longer about... Yeah, uh, the wrong person. This is no yeah. longer about a cell phone ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? I know I, I haven't done anything. I don't have any... The last thing on my mind, right, And and is that it, it's ICE. So I get asked to get not out of the car. Not vanilla either. Yeah, no, no, no yeah. not that one. <laughs> so I get out of the car and we start chatting. The officer asks me, what is your legal status in this country? And, you know, me, I'm like, oh, I'm a U.S. citizen. <laughs> right. Know? I've been here. Yeah, I've six. been here. It's just a cutting. And, you pay know, that's, taxes. yeah, I pay my taxes. I go, I have a job, everything. And that's when he said to me, he goes, you know, I am a immigration customs enforcement officer. I'm going to ask you again, what is your legal status here? And in that moment, I will never forget. I just froze because I always knew that could happen. You know, the reality was my dad and I did have an order of deportation, but, you know, as my lawyer would always say, we're, we're not doing anything wrong. We're not criminals. We're paying our taxes. You know, we're not the people that they're supposed to come after, yep. but yet it could happen. That's the reality of it until our paperwork got situated. That was a possibility. You don't think about it because in your mind, you say, not me. Why would they I'm come? doing the right thing. I'm doing Staying the right thing, right? Why would they take the time to come and look for me and my father? Right, when there's people slinging crack on every corner. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so when that reality hit, I said, holy crap, like this is really, really happening. I froze and I'm not someone that usually, you know, there's that feeling of fear. It is. That's probably one of the few times in my life Fearful. that I really felt fear because it's what's going to happen. Are they going to just take me now? Are they going to... Like the unknown. Right. It, it really is the unknown. Are they going to just take me straight to Peru? Are they going to allow me to talk to somebody? Because one of the most frustrating things in the immigration system and going through all of this is you feel very helpless. Your voice is not accounted for. You know, it's not like, it's almost like DMV, right? You can't go and yell Horrible. at anybody because they don't care. Right? you just have to wait in line yeah, or, and do what they're told. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, it's not like I could demand any rights. And so you, you have know, no rights. Everything you have stripped. no rights. You know, you have follow the process. And even if it's frustrating, even if it doesn't make sense, that's just what you have to do. And should something go wrong, you can't do anything about it. Even in my whole process of becoming legalized, 
I'll give you a perfect example. You have to take this medical exam that causes about $400. You come out of pocket for it. It's not covered by insurance. You know, and this, these are the times when I think of people, you know, I'm very blessed that I had the financially was able to afford it. But, you know, for other people and they, in my case, they lost my exam three times. You can't complain. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can't say yeah. it's like, well, sorry, we lost. That's 1200 bucks. To, you have to go again. <laughs> you know, so that that was the feeling of hopelessness and not having, not being able to voice your opinion or voice against all of this. is It's very frustrating. One of the things that stands out for me that day is, you know, as I'm talking to the officer, he asks me, where's your dad? And at that time I was living, I had just purchased my two family home in Garfield two years before that I was living with my dad. And when he asked me that, I looked at him like, what? Like you you expect me to turn in my dad? Yeah, I'm not writing my dad out. You know? So, and I, you know, I I said to him, I said, do you know what you're asking me to turn in my dad? Like, and I said to him, do you have a dad? Like, what's your answer to that? I'll never forget. You know, he looked at me. Like, are you sure this is the tone you want to take with me? And I said to him, I said, no, I said, I don't know where my father yeah, is. Yeah, your job, not mine. Yeah, exactly. And that whole day is just filled with paperwork. But, you know, throughout, in that whole day, there's many different what things. What were you feeling? Yeah, what were the emotions? Oh, God. I mean, I think back to that day and I was scared. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was just very angry. You're not an angry person. I know. No, right. I'm not. (laughs) I don't see you like taking out a knife and stabbing anybody. No, (laughs) no. And I was just very angry. Like, is this really happening to me? Like, how could this happen to me? You know, it's like, I think I was very angry because I had worked really hard to be where I am. You know, I was working 70 hours a week. I was, you know, yes, I was the successful person living in Upper East Side, but I worked I really busted my butt in my course, career, course. you know, and it was the idea like, I'm about to lose all of this. I'm about to lose everything that I worked hard for my house. Are they going to take my house? For no reason. My car, are they going to take my car? They like, it was just, all I could think of was the fact that I'm about to lose everything that I sacrificed for. So once they pulled you over, they let you drive away from there or they took no, you? No, no, they took, thankfully, you know, there was one officer that was very, that was nice or as nice There's as There's always can one be. that sits yes. in the back, yeah, Yes, you know, so I remember I asked them, I said, you know, I'm only a few blocks away from my house. Can you please just park my car by my house? You right. know, I don't, I don't want my mother to have to deal with course, towing, please. And, you know, he was like, okay. Oh, wow. he, yeah, he that took, was nice. yeah, that was very nice. Yeah. He took my car, you know, parked it. Then they drove me down to Newark to start the, the process because that's how it works. When you get detained by ICE, they take you to the immigration office, you know, to take your pictures, do your fingerprints mm-hmm. that really start the whole process going. Now, just to backtrack, so I, I hate politics, I'm not political mm-hmm. at all. Yes. But I remember the first time you told me this story, you were like, everyone is knocking Trump for this ICE, ICE, ICE raid. This happened in 2012. Yes. Who was our president in 2012? Obama. Yes. Yes. So um, a lot of people are showing hate towards. Now, look, you might hate him, might love him, yes. whatever, but at least hate him for something he actually did, right. not something yeah. that was yeah, listen, years ago. I were, exactly. And yeah, I, yeah, exactly. To put politics aside, I mean, the reality is, is our immigration system is a broken system. It's been a broken system and a system forever. that hasn't been dealt with the right way forever. Not just in this presidential area. It's it's how it's been always. You know, I think since it's just one. since they won, you know, and I think that when I think of dreamers, it, it it's always hits home, not just because it's personal, but because for me is people that are in this situation, we came here as we were kids. You know, when I came to this country, I didn't know I was breaking the law. I didn't know that this is the kind of life that I would have to sign up for, you know, have to 
live through everything that I lived through, invest all the money that I had to invest sure. to, you know, finally be able to get my situation right. And what it is, is a lot of people think it's easy, right? It's like running a business. People always want to tell you what you could do differently, how you could do it better. And they know you better than you know you. Exactly. They think they know, they think that if they were yeah. to walk in yeah. tomorrow as a restaurant yeah. owner, green sauce, would, let's do red sauce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would do it better. And it's until you've lifted, you don't exactly know everything that you have to go through it. So how long did they actually have you detained for? I was detained for two weeks and three days. 17 days. Yes. Yes. And you were sitting days. in a room as I was in or? Uh, Delaney Hall in Elizabeth. So that's at that time. Now it's closed. At that time, that was the hall that they put in all immigrants that didn't have a criminal background. So it was, I mean, it was a jail, <laughs> you know, but it didn't have, it was more of a detention center. Uh, I was allowed to thankfully have visitors come in every day, have my mom see me. But yeah, you know, going back to that day, it's a it's a long day. And for me, one of the things that that really broke me as I'm driving, as they're driving me to Newark, I'm thinking in my head, oh, my God, my dad, are they going to get my dad? You know, at that time, my dad has hit had his restaurant in Pasig, also El Gordo that and my mom had sold him. I couldn't nothing. text them nothing. I They took my Run. phone. They took my <laughs> purse. Them. They took everything. Uh, which now looking back, I, I I know that they weren't supposed to do, but they took everything. They weren't supposed to do that. Yeah, wow. I mean, technically, they're not really supposed to go through like your purse wow. and, yes. you know, like your phone. Invasion of property. Exactly. Yeah. It's still yours. You know? yeah. Exactly. So when I got to Newark, you know, they're taking down all my information and I will never forget. I turn around and I see my dad walk in in handcuffs. And, you know, my dad is, you know, both my mom and my dad are very strong people. You know, my dad came... To this country, he's never even gotten a parking ticket, <laughs> you know, worked at one point three jobs all in one day just, you know, to to give me a better life and, you know, to do something of himself and to just see him in handcuffs like like a criminal, like like and so helpless. Not even that, just to see him so helpless just broke me. And I remember turning around and just running to him in that moment, you know, and I talked about in the, the paper that I shared with you, you know, my dad you know, we don't have the most emotional relationship. He's a very strong man. And, you know, when I ran to him in that moment, he's still giving me strength. He's like, don't cry. He's like, we knew that this could happen. And now we just have to be strong, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's almost like it stopped me where I'm like, oh, like <laughs> going to cry. Tear like, went back up. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, exactly. It's, it's, you know, I will never forget those words. That's exactly what he told me. It was like, let's accept this. Sure. You know, sure. because we knew it could happen. And now let's just be strong. And that really helped like stop and, you know, say, okay, it's true. You know, I, I have to accept this. This is the reality. Now let me just think about, okay, what do we do? I went into what I do is I went into action mode. Okay. Who do I need to call? What do I need to say? The first thing was, you know, I had to now call my job, <laughs> you know, and, and they had to find out that I had been lying to them. This whole time, that itself made me hear, feel horrible. You yeah, know, you let your action and performance, you know, speak for exactly, you. Exactly. Yes. Which, knew you knew yes. You. Exactly. So you know, then it had to come with me calling my mom, and her words at the end of my phone call with her were the same. You know, she always said to me, "Out of everything bad, something good comes out, and something good will come out of this." I just need you to focus on that. She says to me, she's like, you know, you're not the kind of woman that stays down for too long. You always figure you're it impatient. out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's always the support system that I've grown up with. 
being in there 17 days, it's, you know, when I think back, I, I, I'm so, it's crazy how I'm so thankful for that experience. It taught me so thankful, much. Really? Yes. It, it humbled did it, did me. Did it show you that no matter what, like you're going to be able to figure it out? Is that kind it, of what it showed you? It did. It showed me that no matter what I would be able to figure out in that experience, you know, I talk about what I shared is, you know, there was a sense of pride. If there was ever a time that I felt so proud and because to me, even though I was in legal, I was an American. And if there was ever a time that I felt proud to be an American was in that moment, because I had, regardless, I said, okay, even if I get deported, I have my education, I have my work experience and can nobody take that from me. That's the one thing that's mine that I've worked hard for. Well, I feel like most other people would obviously play victim, feel sorry for themselves. You actually turned into a positive. Yeah. I said, I'm going to be good, whether it's here, whether it's in Peru, like it's wherever. <laughs> wherever it is, you know, and I think the moment I started accepting that, like this could be a reality, I could be deported. They could come in the middle of the night and just take me because I saw in the 17 days that I was there, them do that to two, three other female inmates, you know, no chance to say goodbye, no chance for anything, nothing, nothing, you know, uh, it happened to one of the girls that was in the same room as me. They came in the middle of the night at like 1230 in the morning, pack your stuff. We're leaving flight, flight leaves in two hours. You know, you don't have time to say goodbye to anybody. I think when you, for me, I had to, it, the first few days was crying, right? It's like, oh my God. Sure. But then you, you, I started saying, okay, I have to accept this. What, what could possibly happen? Let me start mentally preparing myself for what the outcome could be and preparing myself mentally, right? Because once you, you yeah. once you right. start putting it up here yeah, and giving a, yourself yep, strength up yep, here, everything else yep, will fall align. Yep, yep. So I was in there 17 days I and I felt very blessed, blessed because you look around and you see other people that are just in worse situations. You know, I saw I saw women that couldn't have visitors because their family are also undocumented. So they're too scared. Yeah, they're not coming, to come. they're they're not coming no, no. to show up and no, visit you. No. You see kids that are coming to see their parents mm. and they're crying when it's time to say goodbye because, you know, to a kid. It's mom and dad. You know, it's not mom, the illegal alien. It's not dad, the illegal alien. It's mom and dad. It's family. It's family. So that's why I say I am thankful for that experience. It taught me so much gratitude. And gratitude is a part of, you know, what I take with me day to day. I think it's, you know, one of my, what helps me be successful is obviously to, to always be thankful. I always have that experience to look back to. I was there 17 days. There were women that were there a year. You know, there were women that were there three months, six months, you know, 10 months, two years. So day 17 ends, you're free. Now what? Tell us now. Let's go back to the real topic yes. of Gordo and the green sauce. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm out. We throw a big party like only, uh, you know, Spanish people know how to party. <laughs> I was in the Bronx for eight years. I know how they do <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. You, know? you know, lots of food, yeah. lots of green sauce. Cervezas. Exactly. Right? At that time, I had to... My dad, the pro the result of all of this is, you know, I was able to get out and given the opportunity to keep working on my case while still remaining in this country. My dad, unfortunately, had to get deported. I was able to, from inside the detention center, write a, a letter to the head of ICE in Newark. And all I could plead to him is say, you know, while my dad has been here 23 years, don't send him right away like a criminal. Give him time to come out. Deal with his goodbyes, deal with his proper, yeah, do, deal do, with right do it the right way. Right. If you want to send him, yep. okay, yep. I get it, yep. you know, but let- Don't get, pick up and leave. Yeah, don't pick up and leave. 
at that time, my dad had the restaurant in Pasig. My So my mom has her restaurant in Pasig that she's had since 1996. We currently have three El Gordos, mine in Jersey City, my mother's in Pasig, and my uncle has one in Patterson. They all were started by my mother, and then she would sell them off. You know, the one that my uncle had, Smart. she sold to him. Smart lady. <laughs> the one that my dad had, she sold to him. Yeah. So at that she time, his yeah, ass. she oh she did she, she did. He definitely you know? paid a premium. Yeah, yeah. So you know when the time came, my dad had to sell his business, and he said, you know, and my mom said to me, "This is your chance. You've been waiting to get into the restaurant industry." So I had two options: my company, because of the work that I did provide, they were willing to take me back, sure. but not in the U.S. They wanted to relocate me to Canada, but you know, I could have still come back to that sure. corporate career, right? Or it was, okay, let me now do what I've been saying I'm going to do for so long. And that's join the family, the family business. I bought the restaurant from my dad because he didn't give it to me for free. <laughs> you know, he's always been very good at saying, no, you know, when you earn something, when you work for it and you pay for it, you value it more. You have to. <laughs> yeah. So yes, he did give me a good deal. But, you know, I, after, you know, my mom was like, this is your chance. I emptied out my 401k. I opened up, I my first location, well, not open. I took over my dad's location on Main Avenue in Passaic. I had that location for about six years. I recently sold it last year to my chef that Smart. worked with me Keep for six family. years. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that was the beginning of my restaurant journey. So now Jersey City, El Gordo, tell us about that. What's, yes. And then what's obviously next? Uh, yeah. So Jersey City, I make three years in January, 291 Central Avenue. So if you listen to this and you don't go support her business, I want you to unsubscribe, unfollow, <laughs> delete me from your phone, stop following me on Facebook and Instagram, because if you're not supporting her, then oh, you know you. we're thank not going to be so cool much. anymore. So you better go into the place and tell them you heard this podcast, saw it live, and go <laughs> yes. get that green sauce. But tell her, make sure you meet her and shake her hand. So oh, yes. Thank you. I, I love to meet my customers. So you're um, right on Central Avenue. I'm right on Central Avenue. You know, I had my location on Main Avenue in Pasig for about now. This is four years, and I knew that it was time to expand. I started scouting different locations, and I came across the Heights. You know, I wasn't really familiar with Jersey City at all. all no I, one really is. Yeah, <laughs> all I knew of Jersey City was Sandbar. Yeah. And, you know, that probably gives away my age. You know? <laughs> you know, I used to go to Sandbar back in the day, so I didn't even know that the Heights existed. So I came across the Heights actually through someone that I met at a at a restaurant. You know, I met this couple. We're having drinks. They tell me about the Heights. I When I checked it out... When I first saw the location, used to be a former pizzeria, mm -hmm. I see the gates down and just something about it, it just stood out to me. It just felt right. I called the realtor, you know, I go in to see it right away. And I just said, this is it. It's in a busy street. You know, I drove for, before I said, this is it. I, uh, you know, drove around a few times. Sure. I'm a big, you know, I scout my area yep. personally, yep. you, you know, the right way. I visited other different restaurants. Yep. I parked my car in front of that location yep. for like a good few hours. Watch One, everything goes watch on. Watch everything. You know, I need to see the foot traffic in the day at night. And then I said, this is it. And I embarked on, it was our first time that we did an actual build out. So we converted, even though it was a former pizzeria, it just needed a complete conversion, a complete construction build out. So that itself was a learning lesson. Sure, sure. I'm so glad I picked Jersey City. It's, I love the diversity of it. Yep, it's a you big know? community. It's Everyone a big community. And in the Heights, I feel that there is a strong sense of wanting to support local businesses. Completely. 
that was something that I wasn't used to seeing. You know, yeah. my experience in restaurant was in Passaic, you know, very completely different market. But in Jersey City, from the beginning that people saw that we were in construction, you know, they're like, oh, well, we can't wait till you open. We want to come check you out. We yeah. want to try the food. So I'm very blessed and thankful to have had a very positive welcoming in the neighborhood, you know, to have a lot of local customers. And yeah, I've been there. It's going to be three years and now I'm scouting for Crazy, the next right? one. I know it. Time flies. <laughs> so now talk a little bit about like, obviously there's a lot of turnover in the restaurant business. What are yes. some tips you can give other yes. people that have restaurants or want to open up restaurants yes. for, from retention? Obviously you can't duplicate yourself, right? right? <laughs> but you, what are some strategies you have to yeah. keep your people loyal to you? Well, I say first, you know, if you're coming into this industry, I always say all the rumors you hear are true. <laughs> you know, restaurant industry is the toughest industry. Yep, There's yep. high turnover. All of that is is very true. And I think if you come in mentally prepared that it's going to take hard work and sacrifice, that's that's the first step. We are in the type of market now where, you know, employee turnover is even higher. In every industry. In, yeah. in every industry, yep, you know. Yep. But one of the things that I find for me is I always say I hire value, I train skills. I have always been very proactive about the people that I bring into my team. You know, in the moment I sniff any sign of negativity, anyone that comes in for a negative with a negative energy, I don't care like how skillful you are. I don't care if you can sell green sauce to every customer that comes in. I don't need, yeah, to a blind person, (laughs) I don't need that kind of energy here. You know, so from the beginning, I think uh, one of the key, I talk to my staff a lot, you know, and I get in there and I work with them. It's communicate. I mean, I see you as somebody that leads by example. Yeah. I mean, and I I think that's so key. You know, I think that if you're naturally, if you're a good leader, you're going to bring out the best in people. Of course. I think it's people are going to want to work for someone that they can themselves respect because they feel respected. They're going to want to work if they see someone that treats them as an actual person. To me, every person on my team is an integral part of my success from my dishwasher to my server to my guy that packs up my delivery. So It's very important for me to treat all of them with respect and to keep it very real with them. I talk to my team in a very real manner. You know, I have young people that work with me and I I say to them, listen, I know that this is in your career. I know that this is just, you know, your gig for now to pay your bills, but this is my baby. And at the same time, like I can teach you some valuable skills here that are going to help you no matter where you go. So if you allow me to help you in that sense and in return, you know what, look out for my baby. That's always what I say to them. I always instill that in them. I say, you know what? When El Gordo's doing good, I'm not the only one that's doing good. All of us are doing good because there's going to be more opportunity for all of us. Yep. If El Gordo sinks, we're yep. all fucked. Yep. <laughs> you know, not just yeah, me. I get it. You know, yeah. and I think that putting that into their mind from mindset, it's they almost feel like they're part of that work. They almost feel like they're part of that growth. And I think that when people feel like that they're part of something bigger, it brings out the best in them and motivates them. And, you know, it makes them want to work hard. And when for the people that, you know, don't pull their way, I'm very particular. Again, you know, I nip it in the butt from the beginning. And I always say to them, I'm never fearless of losing anybody. Everything that I that happens in my restaurant, I can do. So I've said to them, like, I'll come back here and I'll make ceviches. You know, I rather have two people in my kitchen, but it's going to be the most two positive, you know, great attitude people. And we're going to work, we're going to work hard, but we're going to enjoy working hard versus, you know, having a team of five, but you know, you have three people that are sluggish or being negative and who wants to work in that kind of environment. So yeah, I think that's super valuable. 
I know you're doing like some sort of green sauce challenge now that's coming up. What, yes, tell us about so, that. <laughs> our green sauce challenge was actually started by you, Jeff. I, Improv, I it was it. totally I like, know, I'm exhausted. I, I like, I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> so yes, we are having our green sauce cha- challenge. Mm-hmm. So if you've tried the green sauce, you know, it really does go good with everything. Everything. And on its own. And on its its own, own. yes, and on its own. So we have this challenge, you know, take a video of you taking a shot of our green sauce. And, you know, we're going to be promoting different, uh, different prices that we have for, for the people that are, that are doing the green sauce shot challenge. Awesome. Love it. So as we close up the show, we always want to leave people with one thing to take away from the show. Now you have 300 things that you've said (laughs) today and they're all valuable. And it's been my true pleasure of having you on. I know that you're going to impact so many people that hear this from all sides of the spectrum. So what's one thing you want to leave people with to deposit to their memory bank that they can implement? One of the key things is, you know, a lot of times people look at people like me. They say, wow, you know, she has her own restaurant. You know, she's young woman, you know, successful. And I think that people don't overlook the day-to-day sacrifices that we make and the day-to-day hard work that we put in. So, you know, I always say, be willing to sacrifice and to work hard. Gratitude is a big part of what I bring into my life. And my key thing is I always say, if you run your own business, no matter what business you do, one of the things that's helped me is I say, I'm the heart of my business. For my business to be good, I have to be good. And that means taking care of myself emotionally, physically. You know, my business gets the best out of me when I myself are in a position where I'm feeling good about myself. Unstoppable. Exactly. You know, and I think a lot of times, you know, we're so focused on on growing our business that we don't take care of us. Completely. And that's that's a big part of it. You know, my energy radiates through my business. So for me, that's always what I say. I'm the heart of my business. And for my business to be good, I have to be good. I love it. So look, we need at least a thousand downloads of this in the first week. <laughs> yeah, I hope everyone watching know, live everyone came and enjoyed the show. From it and, and you better be at El Gordo today. <laughs> be closed tomorrow. Yes, we are closed on, Tuesday. on Tuesdays. So make sure Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And we are BYOB, so you can bring a nice bottle of wine, beer, come by. You know, it's- So let's go support this entrepreneur, this great woman. And I'm uh, super grateful to have you as a friend. Oh, thank you. I'm super grateful, too, for allowing me to you know share my story and share my truth and hopes that it really motivates someone that anything is possible through hard work. I mean, if someone work, listened to this and didn't get the chills and they got unsubscribed, <laughs> delete, pretend you never heard it. So thank yes, you so much for coming and we'll so have you back much. on again. Thank you. 